what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, what is the new hot way to get a job? It kind of rhymes with hip hop, and maybe we'll do some rapping to explain it. Can you make a profit selling your service to nonprofits? Yes, you can. And Mandy Pierce with Funding for Good will share her story about her startup and now being an established business, helping nonprofits become sustainable entities. Finally, we'll end with our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll share some interesting businesses that you should be checking out. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm the Small Business Center Director at the Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. Welcome. And I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is Dean of the School of Workforce Productivity and maybe the arts, also Some at of the arts. Valley Community College. Are you still with the arts, Gary? I still am with the arts, the industrial arts. The industrial arts. What what encompasses industrial arts? Advertising, graphic design, photography, those special skills that people have to make us uh, look good in our business or advertising, those type of things. Very exciting stuff. Okay. And we okay. still love the fine arts All right. in our school. But, but you're not overseeing the fine arts any longer. No, we're working together with the college transfer side of our school. We, we like to work together. Gary, I was going through my local newspaper just yesterday, and I came across an article that recommended that, I don't know if it recommended, but it talked about how people are now searching for their jobs, and instead of doing resumes, they're doing TikTok videos. Oh my gosh. To, to show off their skills. So... That's it, interesting. It, it, it gave me a couple of questions came to mind. Number one, do you know what TikTok is? Believe it or not, I do because I have kids. Okay. And I have a wife that follows it. Okay. On but, certain topics. And do you, do you have like your own TikTok account where you're making videos or anything? I'm not making TikTok videos. Okay. But we could down the road. Maybe you and I will do a TikTok. Well, when, when we start our, uh, our rapping group. I was going to uh, say, Jeff and Gary. rapping, I, I'm going to have, I didn't practice. No. No. Well, I, but we can practice. You know, unfortunately, you're not over the fine arts anymore. There was the music department. They probably would have been of assistance. Well, to us. I know them well. Caroline will probably help us. Okay. All right. Well, something for our listeners to really look forward to. Nah, I think it's a little scary. I'm not allowed to dance in public or sing in public. Where do you come down on TikTok uh, videos uh, to help with job candidates for employment? If somebody sent you one, would you would you be intrigued? Or perhaps it might be the type of job. Intrigue's a good word. I know a little bit more about TikTok than I did when it first came out. I thought, this is something I'm never going to do or never look at until I, like I said, I had kids. And my wife follows it because she uses it in some of her classes related to getting a job and okay. whether they should be on TikTok or do certain things if they want to get a job. It's so, kind of like social media. Yeah, well, I, I was sort of characterized. I, I mean, it is. I don't know if it necessarily, in, in my view, in that... Um, 
you know, I, I, I hate to break this to our listeners, but Gary, you're you're over fifty. You know, so you're probably yes, not I on am. TikTok a lot. That was thank you for saying it that okay. way. Okay, you know, I'm not going to. Yeah, maybe maybe I am, uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I, sus- you, I, I, I suspect you. neither of us spend a lot of time on on TikTok. No. But but there are also YouTube videos out there. I guess to me, it's more a question of would a a video introduction be appropriate for a job candidate? Maybe down the road, I'm would say if I got a TikTok video as an introduction, probably wouldn't be as excited about that person. And that's probably wrong by me. Okay. Now, if it was very entertaining and uh, had a lot of good information, then I might have a different point of view. Well, yeah, it doesn't have to be dancing and singing. You know, you yeah. could be someone who's working, uh, doing welding or something like that for all we know. That's or working true. on a graphic arts project. Th- that's very true. So, you know. Don't, but if you just told me you were sending me a TikTok, I probably wouldn't be as excited as if it was I, I think if I were sending you a TikTok video, you would be very intrigued. Scared. Yeah, scared and intrigued, yes. <laughs> I'm not planning on doing that anytime soon. <laughs> okay. Anyway, just uh, I found that to be very interesting. interesting. But anyway, let's let's we'll move on from that. Okay. Because we have a guest with us today. I want to welcome our guest, Mandy Pierce. Mandy, how are you doing? Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange. Oh, good. Thank you for having me. Okay. Great uh, to see you. And thank you. now she has a different opinion of our uh, podcast now that we start with TikTok. Well, yeah. Well, we're, 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 Although she may be big into TikTok. Too. We're trying to reach the kids. Come on. It's all about the kids. I'm it is kid, all about so trying, no. It's our target market. Anyway, as, well. as let me introduce, let me properly introduce Mandy. Uh, in 2009, Mandy founded her business, Funding for Good, to equip organizations with the skills and tools they need to become uh, become successful and sustainable. And she focuses on nonprofit organizations. Uh, she and her team have worked uh, with organizations in fundraising through executive coaching, strategic and development planning, seminars, specialized consulting programs. Uh, she does a lot of teaching. She's worked for our small business centers and small business centers throughout the state of North Carolina. And I know you've also done programs throughout the country. You know, you've gone to... Uh, Florida, like you've been to what Idaho, Montana, I don't know, somewhere yeah. those, those Western states. Yeah, a couple of those Western Co- states. And uh, you work with thousands of people in workshops, and uh, you've established funding for good uh, as a, a very strong and viable and profitable company. So, so congratulations and appreciate you being here. Thank you. Couldn't have done it without you. Oh well, oh, I, I don't know about that. I do. Well, well <laughs> you were in one of my first writing, writing workshops. That's why you're writing the check early. Yes. <laughs> Well, tell, well, I don't know if I've done Funding for Good justice, so why don't you just tell our, our listeners a little bit about Funding for Good, who you work with, and what it does. Sure. Funding for Good um, is a nonprofit consulting company that works with organizations at all stages of development to help them build sustainability and increase their capacity through board development, strategic planning, and all things foundational, such as fundraising, development, grant writing, and education. Okay. I think she said that before. I didn't actually. I was just thinking. I made that up, but it sounded. Oh wow! It sounds really good. Well, that's sort of like your your elevator pitch. You're you're you've got it down. Yeah. So, and you started as a one person entity. Yes. And you've been able to keep your. I'd really like our conversation to focus on on how you as a you you're you were a startup. I don't think you're you're not a startup any longer. You've been around for a while for a while. So uh, you know, but. Not all startups are still around after 10 plus years, and you're still standing. This is true. So uh, you've done some pretty creative things to keep your expenses and your overhead low with the way that you've been able to expand uh, using 
partners, using a remote assistant. So uh, talk, to, talk to our listeners a little bit about your approach to that, what's been successful for you, and what they might learn a little bit from, from how you've approached it. Well, I think for me, one of the things that has always been in the back of my head was I don't want to manage a bunch of people. People that work with me either really like me or they really don't for my communication style. And so I recognize that. And I don't need a bunch of employees because then I have to learn a bunch of other communication styles. Um, I work with contractors and folks that I have built a relationship with over a period of time that I trust that have my same work ethic and work product and deliver the same quality to my clients. So I have developed one relationship. Um, I've been working with Marie Palacios for about 15 years, and she's been with my business the whole time that I've had it. And so she is hugely important. She's our lead consultant and does tons and tons of the work that we do with uh, clients one-on-one. So she's kind of been integral in the development of the business as far as having the capacity to take on more clients and serve more people around the country. And then I have a couple of other consultants that I work with that may take on grant writing specifically because that's their business um, or some other type of strategic planning when we don't have the capacity to serve someone. And so I've really enjoyed that, but I've made a conscious effort not to hire people. I'm the only person that's on payroll. I'm the only person that I want to manage all of that administrative part. I do all the admin for all of our businesses. We have three businesses within the family. And and I just don't want to fool with that. So it's always been a conscious decision to not grow past the capacity of what the current people we have in contract positions can do. I do have virtual assistants and a web developer that help me with all things administrative. And I'm not a tech person. So I have folks that help with those aspects. So everything runs smoothly on the website. And people have customer service that can actually speak to them and terminology they understand. (laughs) And, um, you know, that's really helped us get virtual audience. And we've been able to build our capacity in online training and education and platforms that I would never have felt comfortable doing on my own. And that's sort of the path I've taken for all three of our businesses. If there's things that need to happen in the virtual world, or we need to grow and add resources, it's always been sort of a contract basis. Well, you, you mentioned virtual assistants, you know, and, and you know, I've, I've worked some with your business and I've always been, you seem very organized, you, you seem very confident in the virtual assistants and website folks that you're working with. If I go out and want to find a virtual assistant, so I just start Googling or how did you find the right people that you felt confident that would properly manage work with your business? A whole bunch of trial and error. Um, So I've had numerous virtual assistants over the years, and I learned a lot through every single one that I gained and lost and learned things I didn't want that I wouldn't have known. And I never went out and read an article about what to look for or what to ask. I just kind of did it trial and error, learned the hard way. Um, But I've had one virtual assistant that's been with me for, gosh, she's probably been with me for five years now, maybe six. And... I don't really see her going anywhere, but that's also not her full-time job. So I am her one big virtual client. She takes on some other smaller folks every once in a while, but she has a full-time job. And I have another virtual assistant that does very, very specific things. Like she might just do one or two tasks for me. And then I have a web developer and she does, her and her company do all of the web design management of things. I can't even explain to you how they work and manages to keep all of the technology running for me. 
And she, you know, redoes the website for me every three years and manages everything about technology. So that's kind of my team. But I've been through losing virtual assistants and having to train new ones. And usually one of my web developers will recommend someone or I will run into someone that I meet and try them out. I, I mean, I've probably been through five or six virtual assistants and um, luckily have one that's just been amazing and stayed with me. So it's not like you recommend to our, our listeners just to start Googling. Nope. You're, 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 <laughs> Talk to somebody and get recommendations. <laughs> yeah, referrals and word of mouth. Yes. And like, are your, probably always a good rule. Are, yeah. are your virtual assistants somewhere in Asia or where, where nope. are your virtual mm-hmm. assistants? Um, I have a virtual assistant in Hendersonville. I have a web developer in Ohio. I have a copywriter in Ohio. And I have another uh, lady that I work with. And I actually don't know where she lives. She's part of the team of one of the other ones. Okay. And then Carol Ann here in town always does my photography. Okay. Well, very good. When you get good people, you keep them. Well, that's key. <laughs> well, I'll talk a little bit about how technology, you know, how you've leveraged technology to help uh, grow your business. You know, when, when we first met, your business was primarily face-to-face workshops, working directly with uh, nonprofit organizations, which which is great, but presents challenges when you want to scale. So talk to us a little bit about how you've been able to utilize technology to, to grow your business and improve your efficiencies. You know, again, I learned a lot of things the hard way, which is why we offer a lot of the education we offer with coaching and webinars, because I want to teach other <clears throat> people like, hey, let me just show you the easiest way to do this in an hour, because it took me three years to get there. And one of the things that we learned was people are good with online education if you give them quality content and don't just tell them what to do or don't just tell them what to do, but show them how to do it. And those two steps in the same seminar, whether it's in person or online, have been our key. That's kind of what we've become known for. We don't just tell people what to do. We actually tell them also how to do it. Right. Like, here, go do this thing. And these are the steps you want to take to make that happen. And we do that in all aspects, whether it's one-on-one, in-person, virtual. And we just took that into our online trainings and more and more people kept following us and coming to our sessions. And then of course, the small business centers really helped get us in front of an audience of people who needed our services. And you know, a certain percentage of them would come back to us later for additional support. And we learned very quickly the types of information we needed to include in those educational trainings to continue to get clients going forward. We also learned that we need to be in front of people three times for them to hire us. Hmm. When you say in front of them. And, and in any that, capacity. Yeah, from, from training to just calling on them or, or whatever. No, they have to be engaged with us in some way, whether it's a free webinar through the Small Business Center or a free in-person training somewhere or a paid training or um, they've met us and interacted us with. I've had to have three interactions with people really as a base to get a secure client that's not just paying 37 or $47 for a webinar. And I don't know why, but that's kind of been something I've noticed. I do a re- randomly have people occasionally that'll call and be like, I want to hire you today. And I'm like, oh, okay. But that's not the norm. <laughs> well, it, it seems to me like you, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me like you've been somewhat selective about clients that you want to engage in. You know, and, and you know, I suspect from a, you know, talk a little bit about how perhaps that's changed from when you were a startup to where you are today in that when you're starting a business, um, you need clients. You got to get started. You need to generate revenue. And then as you start to fill up your capacity, perhaps you think about it a little bit differently. So how has that, that mindset changed over time? 
I have this conversation with folks that are wanting to do consulting on a regular. I do a boot camp with consultants. And the first thing I tell them is you have to be willing to do a lot of stuff for free when you first start out to build your reputation and let people know the quality of your work. And I did that a lot. I would go out and teach for free, present for free, be a guest speaker for free, all kinds of stuff. I did a lot of free webinars when I first started. I partnered with other consultants and presented webinars for them for free just to get in front of people. And then I started charging and I never charged enough because I didn't know I hadn't gone out and done the research to say, what are other people charging? <laughs> so, you know, it was a lot of, of learn the learn and trial and error. And, um, and so you do take the clients that are willing to pay in the beginning and you do the best work you possibly can for them. So they have a good recommendation to give you at the end of your contract. And then over the course of time, you get, you hope to where you're like, there's going to be a day where I'm going to be able to turn somebody down if I don't want to work with them. And I still remember that day. I remember the conversation. I remember the phone call. And the whole time I was like, I do not want to work with this person. And at the end of the call, I was able to craft the nicest message to say, you know, I really appreciate you considering our company for this work. But at the moment, we're at capacity and we just can't take you on at the moment. And, uh, you know, I referred them to someone else that was willing to work with them. And I remember I almost did a happy dance in my office. I was like, I'm finally at that place where I don't have to take everybody that walks through the door. <laughs> it's like when my husband started his yard business. We took every single possible horrendous yard job that came our way. And now we're like, yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> oh, we're not doing that yard. You know, like you just get to that point where you learn enough and you're like, okay, we don't have to. But for a while there, you know, as long as you want to pay your bills and make sure things are going to continue, you take what comes your way. And during the pandemic, a lot of people took what came their way because they didn't know what was coming. We had more work during the pandemic than we've ever had in, in the 12 years we've been in business. What was the signal that you said, okay, I don't need to take this? Um, I had enough other clients that I was paying my bills Consistent and saving money. Client mm -hmm. coming in. And I sort of had a funnel. You know, we plant, we, we call it planting seeds. We plant seeds all the time. You know, whether that's doing free things or participating in things like podcasts just so people learn who you are or putting free. We have a ton of free content on our website and we always produce free materials for people that can't afford to engage us. I think we've always had that kind of practice as a company. And so we constantly have potentials. You know, somebody will come to me and it'll be three years since I engaged them initially. And I'm like, oh, I remember where this person came from. But that's three years ago. And now they're a client. Um Y'all know locally here, I'll tell the story. I remember when I first met Hal Rowe was when I was working at the Newton Conover Auditorium. And this is the year I started my business. And I was on the Hal Rowe show talking about a show that was happening at the Newton Conover Auditorium. And I remember he was friends with my friend Rosalie Outlaw, who was here at the time. And that's where I first met Hal. We became friends. We talked. You know, I had a dog. He had dogs. We became friends. And over the years, I've been on his show quite a bit. And we just kind of got to know each other. That was 2009, 10, way back in the day. And Hal referred a, a group to me to work with them and help them grow their nonprofit that was new. And this happened in January. And he took us to lunch, introduced us, whatever, and they turned into a client. And I'm like, wow. So 10 years ago, we started this relationship that then turned into a client 10 years later. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's all about the relationships you build and who yeah. you know and where the seeds get planted. And so we do that all the time. And being patient. You do have to be patient. Um, again, I'm a little persistent. So there are times when I, I'm persistent as far as marketing and pushing and getting people engaged. But again, I see positive results from that. So my clients like that too, especially when I'm trying to raise money for them. 
Well, well, well how, how would you characterize your marketing approach? You talk about planting seeds. You talk about persistence. You talk about uh, connecting at least three times. And, and has your marketing approach over time turned from Mandy Pierce being the brand to Funding for Good being the brand? This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. I like to think it has. We, we don't have my image and everything, but I still find that a lot of people want to engage with me when they hire the company. So we have several people on the team now, and people's gateway is still through me to come in, regardless of the service that they're engaging with. But um, we have tried to create some branding that's recognizable. It's one of the things we're actually working on this year because we're starting our third webinar series. We did grant writing webinar series and this year's fundraising. And next year, we're doing a leadership development webinar series. And my team and I were like, you know, we really need some some branding so that when people see this imagery, they know it's part of our series. And we have three of them now. So we need to come up with some way to brand that. I don't know if you guys, I know you're on LinkedIn. I don't know if you're on LinkedIn. Have you ever seen the um, Caldwell Economic Development um, logos that they have when they highlight a small business and when they highlight um, an opportunity for something to do in their county? I don't think I have. You should look that up. It's awesome. And I tell everybody about it because the logo is the same, but one of them is blue and one of them is green. And literally every time I see that logo come up in my newsfeed, I'm like, ooh, what business are they highlighting? Like, I want to look at it Mm because I'm like, they're they're talking about some business that's close to here in Cleveland County. I love it. It's so great. I'm like, I want people to see that for our company, but we've never really done that. So we're working on that right now. I think we're always reimagining best practices, new things people are looking for without getting... Um, what's the term, without trying to use things that are going to be outdated next year, right? Like we try to have classic marketing, but things that can grow with us over time. So like we we tweaked our brand colors a little bit this year. We still have the orange, but some of our other colors have become a little more muted and a little more classic. And that's reflected in our new website. And we do a new website every three years just to stay current and relevant and have, you know, not a lot of clutter and really clean things up and change our messaging. Where, where, where do you stand on TikTok? I don't use TikTok. Uh, what, what social media do you use? Um, actually, funny that you should ask. We started out, we had Twitter, which I never used. I just got it because everybody's like, you need a Twitter account. So I got one. And I, I never saw any results from it, literally none. So I stopped using that after two years, I think. We had Facebook from the beginning. And I just could not pinpoint any financial return on investment at all. And so I had a bunch of conversations with other consultant friends of mine, and I got rid of Facebook three months ago, have seen zero negative effects, literally. Now my virtual assistant has more time to post on other things, edit videos for me, and do way other things. I'm not paying for this social media platform that wasn't any benefit. I use LinkedIn like crazy. So I have a personal and a business account on LinkedIn, and we post on that all the time, constantly. I get great connections, great feedback. I actually have conversations with people. I actually get clients referred to me from LinkedIn. Um, TikTok is not something that I look at. I have Instagram for the two green thumbs business for the woodworking because it's imagery. Right. And I know there's consultants that use Instagram, but I'm like, mm, pretty sure that's, that's not what people are looking for when they're on Instagram. So, you know, right. I use it for that, but I don't. And we actually do really well with Facebook for the woodworking business. But not for funding for good. Well, I, I would think when, whenever 
we think about marketing, we think about well, who are you, who are you, who are you trying to reach, and where are they at? And you know, LinkedIn makes sense for for what you're doing with professionals and, and nonprofit organizations. I'm I'm a little surprised that there's a little not more Facebook activity, but it, it was it became one of those things that whatever their algorithm is, you know, they want you to spend more money, more money to get in front of people. Yeah. Like you'd have three thousand followers, but only twenty five of them would see a post. I'm like, well, that's not really helpful. So. I just said, well, I got other things to do. And I know plenty of consultants who literally have no social media at all. Hmm. I'm like, well, I'm not there yet, but <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? You, you, you talked a little bit about your business doing very well during the pandemic. You know, what was that a function of nonprofit organizations saying, hey, we're worried about our funding, uh, our, our models are changing dramatically if I've got an organization that required people to visit it they're not visiting me anymore you know what's what what tell, tell us about your experiences during the pandemic and and the, the the ups and downs there i think part of it that was very unexpected was people realized how dysfunctional their organizations were because the leadership wasn't able to step up or there wasn't a plan in place for how to address the situations that were occurring the lack of funding the programs that ended, how to go virtual. I mean, there was so many questions and a lot of people's, honestly, their boards were not ready for that. So we did a lot of board development. Uh, and as a result of that, a lot of strategic planning because a lot of people didn't have a strategic plan because their board wasn't developed. And then we had a lot of fundraising. And uh, as a result of some stimulus funding that came out, we partnered with a lot of entities that were able to provide support to nonprofits by paying us to provide education or work with them directly. That was unexpected. I'm sure it was unexpected for them and it was unexpected for us, but we got called upon to to provide a lot of that, and we did. We also saw a huge increase in our grant research um, services, and we marketed it and actually created a specific webinar just for that. It was grant research during difficult times to address what's happening in the world of funding. Where are dollars going? Are they more? Are there less? How do I get in with a funder? Why is nobody answering the phone when I call a foundation? So we actually did that. And as a result, got a lot of a lot of clients to help find funding because they needed it desperately and they were losing. And a lot of people thought individual donors were going to go away, but they didn't. They actually increased giving. It seems like a lot of individual donors have been stepping up. Yes, yeah, but- especially the smaller ones. $250 and under donors increased massively last year. Okay. Well, what what other challenges uh, do you face on a daily basis or do you foresee in the future for your business as you're, as you're looking ahead? The biggest challenge that I've seen since the beginning of 2020 is when you're not able to get in front of people face-to-face, you do lose some relationship building and seed planting because a lot of people sign up for webinars, but they don't attend them or they forget about them or they just, they're doing five other things and they're not actually building a relationship with you. So we've, we've taken some time to start relationship building in our newsletters that go out and sharing a little bit about us and what's going on in our world and giving people a platform to, to reach out to us. And, and a lot of our audience really, really love that. I do occasionally get the emails like, I don't know why you're telling us about your personal life. Nobody cares. And I'm like, well, maybe you're not my ideal newsletter person. Unsubscribe. Um, But I think a lot of people who have been stuck indoors and not been able to be around people, they've reached out and said, we really appreciate it. It's a connection with somebody somewhere. And we know that you're going to read our email if we respond to you. That's been the biggest challenge for me because typically Marie and I are in front of people all over the country multiple times a year. And last year we actually had scheduled 
like 12 different places we were supposed to be to be in person. We were going to be in Florida and Tennessee and and Wyoming and California and North Carolina, and, all, and we canceled all, every bit of it. We had one trip in February, and that was it. The rest got canceled. And so this year, we have we had a trip in Wyoming last month, and we're supposed to be in California for two weeks next month. And that's it. Nothing else is going to get scheduled. So we have a couple of in-person strategic planning sessions, but they're all here in North Carolina. And um, so that, that's been the biggest challenge for us. I would think that challenge uh, is very much in parallel with a lot of your clients that uh, really depend upon those personal relationships as a nonprofit organization, whether it be uh, people that use their services, whether it be people that contribute to the organizations. I would think that's a big challenge. It is. And figuring out how to schedule a meeting with a donor because people are, what do they call it, Zoom fatigued. I, I know I've never enjoyed it. So people are like, can we set up a Zoom meeting? I'm like, no, but here's my number. You can call me. <laughs> I hate it. I don't like, I mean, I'm constantly in a rocking chair. I have a rocking chair in my office. I have a rocking chair in my guest room. I have a rocking chair on the front porch and my back porch. And so when people want to Zoom with me and I'm doing this the whole time, it's very disturbing. Nobody, nobody wants to see someone rocking 24-7. So then I'm forced to do just sitting still and like looking at a screen, which I hate. Um, so, it, you know, it's a challenge all around to try to connect with people and see facial expressions and read body language. Hard to develop relationship. It's very that. hard. And, um, you know, what I usually do is I'll have a phone call with someone. And then if I feel like we have good rapport, then I'll say, okay, so if you want to have a Zoom meeting next time, we can. <laughs> But if that first call is not great, yeah, I never screen them. That. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Stage two. Well, so as we wind things down here, are, is there, you know, you're, you're sort of the, the one of the poster children of the, the successful startup that's made it to, to sort of a stable uh, small business. You know, what, what advice do you have for, for others that are starting a, or, or growing their business, you know, particularly providing consulting <laughs> services or, or similar services to yours? I think the biggest thing I tell my clients that I coach is you need to have multiple funding streams and you need to, so what I, one activity I always have people do is write down a list of 50 things you could do today to bring in money. Whatever those things are can be, you know, little, big, a lot of it can be duplicated, whatever. What can you do to make money? Ask, highlight the top 10 things that you want to do to make money, focus on those, and then develop some of the others as you go. Because if one of the 10 that you think you really want to do turns out to flop, which has happened to me, mm -hmm. totally has happened to me. I've spent tons of time and energy on a, a funding stream that I thought was going to be amazing. And we ended up not doing anything with it at all. Um, then you need to have a backup plan. And not just a backup plan to start when you realize this one fails, but something you're cultivating and something you're learning about and something you're figuring out how you would do so that you have something else to market, something else to talk to people about. And an, if we didn't have that, then our business would have failed over the past 10 years because we've developed new services. We've transformed services we have to meet demand and figure out what clients actually want to pay for. You know, you can't just start a business and say, I'm going to do the same thing for 50 years and then I'm going to retire. Nobody wants that. And um, so I'd, I'd say that's the biggest thing. No, you're going to have multiple funding sources and figure out what they are. The stuff that was successful for you last year is probably not going to be the stuff that works next year. Right. So better better understand that. Yeah. So. Exactly. Maybe some version of it, but probably not the exact same thing. Well, Mandy, we very much appreciate you joining us today. We always like to have our guests participate in our lightning round. Are you up for this? Sure. Okay. This this month, our lightning about the lightning. No. <laughs> I'm sure I warned her about the lightning round. This this it month's is world famous. But this month's lightning round is sponsored by Ned Ryerson Insurance. Whole life, auto flood, home. You really can't have enough insurance. 
Am I right or am I right? Stay safe with Ned Ryerson Insurance. You can check it out on the internet. So we've got some quick questions, quick answers. Don't overthink it. Sure. I don't, you know, you're, you're pretty quick. So I, I suspect that uh, this will go well. Okay. If you ask me these, I don't know them. So I'm just... All right. Question number one. What is your biggest pet peeve? People not putting things back where they found them. That's a good one. What's your favorite vacation spot or a vacation home. spot you like to visit? Home. Home? Your favorite vacation spot is home. It is. She's a homebody. Okay. Who is your business role model? I don't have one. Don't have one. You're making it up yourself. I, I, yeah, no, I don't have one. Huh? What's your favorite holiday? Christmas. Christmas. Actually, so I have to say Christmas because it's Jesus's birthday, but really my favorite holiday is my birthday. So I'd say Jesus first and then mine. Okay. But you're putting Jesus first. Yeah. Okay. Good for you. That's a good thing. Beatles, Rolling Stones, or am I hopelessly dating myself? Beatles. Do you have a TV or movie streaming recommendation? I use Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, but what, Apple what TV. What show would you recommend oh, that we that our God. listeners go out there and watch? Anything that you really like? I watch so much stuff. Downton Abbey was one of my favorites. Okay. But right now I'm watching Vampire Diaries, which is like totally opposite end of the spectrum. So. Okay. Well, that's two. That's two. That's good. Makes up for the business role model whiff right? that you had there. Okay. Is it okay to wear socks with sandals? No. She was right. Final question. If you have if you have one superpower, what would it be? I'm very productive. You're very productive. I think you already have that power. Oh, you, you, I thought you said if I have one. Uh, if no, if you if were I the, need another yeah, one. Yeah, if you can get if you if, if you I could, could have, have one. another. Yeah. Oh, what would it be? Um, patience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some people, you know, want to fly. Some people want to you know, have x-ray vision. I actually vision. had my first dream where I knew I was flying and remembered it. So I feel like I've already done that. Okay. All right. Well, well, thank you very much for participating in the in the lightning round. If people want to find you and Funding for Good. Where should they be looking? Fundingforgood.org. Fundingforgood.org. It sounds like you're also on LinkedIn as Mandy Pierce and also as Funding, uh, for, Funding good? for Good. Yes. Pierce is P-A-R. P-E-A-R. P-E-A-R. I'm sorry. I'm, okay. Uh, See, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having we, me. We always like at the end of our show to do a small business of the month and uh, where we, we give a little shout outs to small businesses that we've come across. Mandy, you have anything that you'd like to share with I us? I do, actually. Um, so Sweet Kitchen is an amazing local company, and um, you can find them on Facebook. Susan Kitchen is the cook. But if you are stuck at home and can't go anywhere and don't want to, she delivers locally here in Hickory and several other surrounding counties. And she bakes the most amazing things on the weekends and delivers on Saturday mornings to your doorstep. So all you have to do is leave your money out. She'll drop it off. And she, I think she even takes online payments. She makes the best macarons and cakes and when my baby Leo was passing away last year, I called her on a Saturday and she made me 12 dozen carrot cake cupcakes with icing for him and brought them by the same day. She's an amazing human being. So her small business is wonderful and you should support it. They do lots of great stuff on the holidays. And just for our listeners, Leo is your dog. Leo was my dog. Yeah, so, and, my baby. And, and I believe you can still see pictures of Leo on your website. You can. So anyway. Yep. Thank you for that. Gary, do you have a small business that you would like to share? Well, I'm excited about Mandy's because hospitality is near and dear to my heart and our college right now. As are, as are sweets, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly what I was going to say. So 
my uh, small businesses of the month are right in line with what I like, food and things that are sweet. So when you said that, my eyes and stomach perked up. And I actually, got, as I said, gonna spotlight three businesses um, and they're all in the hospitality industry. And of course, as we talked about, it's very important to us. We just opened up our first hospitality academy last month at the college. And unfortunately, the hospitality industry has been hit unusually hard in the last 12 months. So giving a shout out to these three businesses that have just uh, perked up here in the last uh, few months, at least that I know about. Uh, the first business is Scoops and Smiles Ice Cream in Newton. I actually visited them Friday evening to husband and wife operation in uh, right on, off of 321. And uh, really good food, of course. Uh, and then the second business is Cold School Bus. Has anybody seen that? It's actually a school bus, and it's Cold School Bus. And, of course, then I stopped by to see them, and it's ice cream and frozen treats. You're doing a lot of research here. Greg. I'm really working hard. And it's, they, they were in the Target shopping center in the Hickory, right? So I assume they ride around. Uh, but it uh, looked very good, and it was very good. And then the third business is in downtown Conover called uh, Chocolate Possum. Anybody heard of that? Uh-uh. They sell bakery and other sweets, goods, and as you said, that's what I do on weekends. I go around looking for food, sweet food. It's it's amazing that you're not morbidly obese. <laughs> right. I think it's the stress that you put me under. Okay. <laughs> so that's it. Those All are right. my businesses. Okay. Well, that's... You, you have, if nothing else, you have a theme. I have a theme. Okay. And if it's not that, then it's dogs. I love dogs. And pets. Okay, I'll shut up. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're all good, man. <laughs> well, so, so the small business that I'm going to uh, give a shout out to, it's actually a nonprofit organization that I read about in, in the last month somewhere. It's called IWantToMowYourLawn.com. In 2020, a fellow named Brian Schwartz, who lived, uh, lives in northern New Jersey, lost his job at a New York digital advertising agency due to the COVID slowdown. He wasn't sure what he wanted to do, so on a whim, he decided to start a free lawn mowing service for seniors age 65 and up in his area, uh, just because he had time and wanted to do something nice. Uh, and he created this vision of helping people beyond his area uh, to other parts of the country, which meant he'd have to go around, get advisors, volunteers, partners, donors. He became a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Uh, so he started this near his home, but uh, now he's created a website that matches people throughout the country who have a need, seniors, people with disabilities, veterans. And so far, I want to mow your lawn.com has matched people in 16 states from a lung cancer patient in Wisconsin to disabled veterans in Michigan with volunteers to help them do their lawn work. Relies on volunteers and sponsors to make it work. So if it's something that you're interested in, if you just want to check it out, you can go to www.iwantomowyourlawn.com and check it out. As Joe Joe Bob would say, check it out. So anyway. Fantastic. So anyway, if you have a suggestion for our Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, you can email them to us here at the, the, mesh, the mesh Network at eexchange at themesh.tv. And if we pick your small business, you'll get an Entrepreneur Exchange prize back, which we always like to give out. We want to thank Mandy Pierce for joining us today. Uh, and best of luck to you, Mandy. And we look forward to continuing to work with you and seeing you around. Uh, check out Mandy's company at uh, fundingforgood.org. 
And uh, we also want to thank the Mesh Podcast Network. If you go to the mesh.tv, you will see a bunch of cool stuff. And they've got some interesting and risque podcasts coming up that you should be checking out in the near future that uh, we've been warned about. Check them out. Stay That's healthy. That's a great tease. That's a right. great tease. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Stay healthy. Enjoy your summer or what's left of it. Get outside. And we'll look forward to talking with you again next month. Take care. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.